Hello, welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the new Chip and Dale movie on Disney+. Plus. But before we do that, buddy, what is the folks at home, what it is we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we talk about games, but also movies and stuff and also other stuff. So today, this may be like the least game-related thing we've talked about in a long time. This is... The, the movie that came out over the weekend was... Chippendale Rescue Race Rangers, which was essentially created by, like, the Lonely Island crew stars Andy Samberg and John Mulaney, um, directed by Akiva Schaefer, I think is his name. He's, he's the guy that does all, like, the, the Lonely Island stuff, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it's basically a modern sort of whodunit kind of L.A. noir mystery thing set in a world where you know like like essentially roger rabbit i almost want to say it is canon to roger rabbit right like this is a a a sequel to roger rabbit or at least kind of diagenically they're the same right because roger rabbit does show up inside of this movie yeah but also he's not like old this is one of the things that i was like because roger rabbit is a movie from the 80s that is set in the 40s right um but which would mean that Roger Rabbit himself in 2022 would be a gazillion years old, theoretically, right? Um, but he wasn't that, and it was just a sight gag, and it's just like, how much am I supposed to look into this and care about it? And I have some deep thoughts about that that piece of it, but we can save that stuff for spoilers, yeah, I guess. I was going to say, like, the, the diegetics of, like, the cartoon life cycle are uh, a little suspect, I think is the best way to put it. Like, there's an obvious character who does age very pretty obviously. Um, well, we will get into that post-spoilers, but uh, post the spoiler wall. Um, but uh, before the spoiler, or um, before we get there, let's give our general opinions first. Uh, buddy, what did you generally think of this movie? Um, I actually do think this movie is worth a watch, but it is weirdly worth a watch, not for the movie itself, but sort of for... The surrounding, like, sight gags that exist around the whole periphery of it, right? Um, the when I, w- this this wasn't something that ever engaged me on a plot or a character level, really. Um, that stuff was just kind of whatever. But like, the thing that really grabbed my attention and held my attention was catching the little references, right? The neat little jokes, the little bits that were playing out in the background, right? Um, and that stuff was really great and made it kind of worth it, like worth a watch, uh, I guess. So. That's my that's my recommendation. It's not actually that good of a movie, but as a collection of pretty funny sight gags and like deep cuts for you know like animation or whatever, I thought it was pretty great. So I think I generally agree with that. I think I'm gonna be a little bit more down on it, just because like the thing that keeps hitting in my mind. This movie, you know, when if you've ever watched like a children's television show. They've got, like, little gags that are there, clearly there for the parents. And, like, I think that's a lot of what you're talking about, right? Like, it's stuff for, like, the older crowd that the older crowd can latch on to. However, that's, like, the entire movie, right? Like, there's ostensibly this, like, a movie for kids happening in the foreground, which is the plot that you're talking about. Um, except that what child wants to watch this fucking movie? They don't know who Chippendale is. Um, 
and like they're not going to get any of like the kind of nostalgia rubs that are like there for the older crowd and so like i don't know to me it feels like they tried to make a children's movie that had like these references but that's the only thing that's there is is like those those kind of adult references i would have rather if it's the lonely island i would have rather seen them have gone like full who framed roger rabbit on it right and like made it a movie for adults right like and just kind of like throwing away the whole kid line because like the the surface level plot is very kind of like kitty logic right like things that you're not supposed to think about too much and i think that's a great detriment to the movie but i do think it's fun right like the um you know like you said lonely island it's andy samberg as dale and john mulaney as chip um and I thought that they brought appropriate energy to the roles. Um, the thing is, okay, that's interesting. Oh, did you not? Do you not agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we can talk about that, too. I, that's not necessarily a spoiler thing. I think they have bad chemistry, and they don't work well together, right? Like, on you know, the, the thing that makes these kinds of odd couple pairings work is that you have a truly odd couple, right? You have two people with just completely different energies kind of clashing right so like will smith and tommy lee jones and men in black is a good example of this right will smith is you know he's quick on his feet he's he's improvisational he's fast talking right tommy lee jones is slow and he's very self-serious right and he has this kind of like i don't know like this like cowboy thing going on right and so like the clash of those two things makes for just like really electric chemi chemistry, which I guess I'm mix mixing my metaphors, but you know, whatever. I just sort of felt like John Mulaney and Andy Samberg couldn't play off of each other, mostly because John Mulaney was bad. Like he just doesn't sell this straight man thing to me. I guess is sort of where I where I come down on it. Um, he's trying to be the straight man to to Andy Samberg's like wacky goofball, and I, maybe it's just I have expectations based on the John Mulaney voice that are that are weird, um, but, you, like, it was just, I couldn't get into their, like, their individual dynamic kind of on that level. See, that's interesting, because I, I see what you're saying, but I attributed that more to this kind of, like, made it a kid's movie. I thing. feel like Mango has frozen, and I am talking to no one. Okay, <laughs> uh, so I can hear you. Can you? Oh, hear wait, I can hear you now. Okay, because you, you've been pretty smooth, but your quality's been degrading as we've been talking. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that's like a that's like an internet thing. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like imagine imagine there was a movie that starred Chris Tucker and Eddie Murphy as like you know the the like that's the pairing, right? It's like that's why it doesn't work. See, does so, that make sense? So I see what you're saying, and what what I was saying, well, well, apparently you couldn't hear me. Is is I attributed more of that to the kitty movie stuff. Right, like okay, I feel like John Mulaney was prevented from playing more of a straight man because he had to play a softer version of that character because mm -hmm. he's supposed to be for kids, right? Like, um, I don't, I, I don't put a, like that didn't seem to me to like rest on on John Mulaney and because like his his whole comedy styling is him, uh, his whole comedy styling is him basically being kind of like a straight man ish. Right? Like, you know, like, pointing... Like, it's like standard observational humor. Like, pointing out the absurdities in the world around you. Right? But mm -hmm. it, but in that role, I feel like his, his stand-up is him playing mostly straight man-type characters. Um, I don't know. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, I think both of us thought it was worth a watch, I guess. I don't know. 
I would not. Yeah, so I do. I, I would say this worth a watch. Part of this, by the way, is that it is a Disney Plus thing. Right. And I, I would not recommend getting Disney Plus for this. But if you have it, if you picked up a, a Disney Plus subscription for your kid, if you are waiting for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show to come out in a couple of days or whatever, right? Like, hell yeah, man. Pick that up, brother, right? Like, spend two hours watching this thing because it's just kind of neat. It's just sort of like a like a neat little thing. So it's maybe one of the softest recommends that I could ever possibly give, given all those circumstances. If this was in the theaters, nope. If this was, you know, under any more sort of specific restrictions than if you have a Disney Plus membership, you might as well watch it. Um, that is sort of, that's sort of where I come down. <laughs> I think I agree with that, like, almost entirely. The only thing I want to do is, like, a, <coughs> excuse me, just as, like, a point of uh, plot summarization before we get into it, because this is the thing that threw me, because I, I went into it pretty blind. So, a reason I watched is at least his friend of the cast, Zhao, recommended it to us. Okay. Um, uh, but the a point of plot clarification, just, like, much like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Like, it's Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but it's not Chippendale playing their characters from the show they're playing chipmunks who are actors who played those characters in a show when it happened right so chip and dale are like real people who are the actors who played chip and dale the rescue rangers um and the other people show up which is something that's not that was not apparent to me until i, I watched like i didn't watch any shows or anything but if you're going into this thinking this is going to be like a soft reboot of rescue rangers it is not that it is a it is a you know pretend thing Right, which is which is yeah. Fine it's weird because like, I want to call it a parody. There are moments in here that are truly parody, right? right. You know, like there's a, there's like a Batman meets the Flash bit that plays out, and that's like true parody. But like, I this isn't really parody. It's also like I I I said satire, but it's also also not satire. It actually kind of just plays the whole thing dead straight. And that's that's it. Like, there's not a lot of comedy built at the expense of, you know, the the genre that it's picking apart. Because it's not even really doing that, right? Which is sort of something that you could say for Roger Rabbit, for instance. Right, um, right. This is this is almost a straight play of a movie that is about a couple of actors who are yeah, stars. Yeah, exa yeah, exactly. Right? And and that's weird to me. It almost honestly it's like straight, the weirdest it's, it's like straight Bojack Horseman, right? Like it, like like Bojack Horseman is also straight, right? Like it's like kids Bojack Horseman. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, actually. The other thing it reminds me of is uh, did you ever watch Ra Ralph Breaks the Internet? Wreck it Ralph Breaks the Internet? Oh, uh, the second one? I find yeah, where like they get connected to the internet, and the whole thing is just like it is basically just the emoji movie, actually, in that it's like all about these different like apps or whatever, and like the cross promotional brands that like the Disney Corporation hold. I hated this movie, by the way. I mean, I don't, know. I don't think I'm painting it in a very good light in the first place. But, um, you know the. It, it it's it was sort of similar in that sense. But the thing that set it apart for me is that where Ralph felt hollow, this feels sort of lived in, I guess. It's sort of a weird way to put it. Or like authentic, right? Yeah. Re with Wreck-It Ralph, it kind of felt like, it kind of felt like, I don't know, like how do you do fellow kids the movie, right? This one, I, I think that this movie has a weird, strange kind of love for this, like, 
sort of subculture in a way, right? Um, like this stuff with Ugly Sonic, this stuff with Tigra from, you know, like the Avengers cartoon and like, you know, Dale is sort of doing this circuit. Uh, there's something there, there's something kind of empathetic about the texture and the portrayal of it that makes it not feel like corporate propaganda. It makes it feel like an artist who is kind of getting to play in the sandbox with his beloved, you know, toys or whatever yeah, else. So, so this is interesting because there I don't know if it ever actually happened, but the actor who played Wash, Alan Alan Tudyk, um, yeah, Alan Tudyk, yeah, yeah he was. Tr trying to make a like a web series about essentially someone like a lesser known character on the con circuit right that like that was like doing this kind of thing and like the secondary character would have been nathan fillion as callbacks to their firefly roles um very much this is also um it's it's fucking um what's the name of it uh, galaxy quest right this is like galaxy quest or bojack horseman but if the but with the property that they're spoofing being real right like like yeah this is like if galaxy quest was actually about star trek right or like if if you know bojack horseman was actually about actually this is just like bojack horseman is if if it was chippendale instead of bojack horseman in like more adult right like yeah um, uh because like it you know it is yeah it it's <coughs> excuse me it is it is interesting they kind of like it's gone full circle, right? Like this is one of mm -hmm. those those styles of movies where you're like that. The thing that makes it not parody isn't the fact that it's not in that form. It's the fact that the thing that it's like would lampoon is real, right? Yeah. Jimmy Dale Rescue Rangers existed, right? Didn't exist exactly in the form that the movie portrays it as because obviously this, the chipmunks aren't real, right? Like, um, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I think that's enough pre-spoiler stuff. Yeah. Let, yeah, okay. Let, let's Honestly, like, even spoiler stuff, what is there? The movie spoiled itself with the trailer. I wish I hadn't seen the trailer for this. Because, like, half of the movie is built on this mystery that is spoiled in the fucking trailer. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. What, what, what? Uh? I mean, there is... Peter Pan. Peter Pan shows up in the trailer. Yeah, but it's, it's not even that much of a mystery, though, right? They figure out... so. Spoiler warning if you've managed to avoid it and you care about the plot of this movie, which, again, isn't important. You go to this movie for the sight gags. Um, but, uh, spoiler, like, you know, we find out that Peter Pan's the bad guy pretty quickly, right? Yeah, so this was, this was something that made me like the movie more, and I was excited for this, which was... It was going at an incredibly fast clip, and I was pretty sure it was going to go off the rails at the end. What? Because, like, the the process of actually getting into the mystery and solving the mystery and doing the thing where, like, the friends, you know, they're, like, getting the gang back together or whatever. Like, um, there's, like, a double cross in the middle there. All of that stuff is happening pretty quickly, right? You're, you're, you're moving along. And I'm looking at, like, the progress bar, and I'm like, man, there's still 45 minutes left in this movie. And I feel like we're almost fucking done. We're – what I think is going to happen is – this whole thing is sort of the, like a typical three act structure is going to be compressed into the first two acts because the movie understands that we understand this plot structure and then it is going to go buck wild in act three. And that sort of did not happen. In fact, they sort of almost bamboozled me because like the like 
the double cross was just played dead straight. And that was the joke. You know, like, <laughs> like the double cross actually looked clever for a second. But the fact that the double cross was clever was the joke because the double cross was actually just very straightforward the whole time. And it's like, like on that level, I almost respect the balls of it more than anything else. Just like, what a bit to play, right? right. Just like, what a fantastic joke to play out beginning to end. Um, but also it sort of makes the movie worse in aggregate because it doesn't actually do sort of the adventurous thing that I was hoping for it to do, right? Yeah, I mean, but I get, again, I'm maybe I'm sounding too much, but this, this felt like the, the kid movie part of it, right? It's like, of yeah. course you can't have, like, you know, the friendly, the friendly, you know, audience self-insert actually be the bad guy. It has to be the, you know, the weird Gumby ripoff. Um yeah, I do. I do also just have to say a lot of that came down to sort of like the performance, and you know that that part was stop motion animated, which was nice. Um, and uh, and uh, J.K. Simmons, it's just like he was J.K. Simmons in that part. Yeah. Like, there's the one bit where he's like, "Oh, like my wife died." No, I did it for the money. And I was just like, "Yes." Thank you. This is the kind of thing that I have been so mad about, right? Like, we keep talking about these villains, like, these empathetic villains, like Thanos or whatever, and, like, how much of a problem is, this guy just did it for the fucking money. He just wants to get rich. That's it. Thank God. Like, give me more. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I do think they let, like, when, when Zhao, so Zhao in, in one of our, our collective chats said something like, you know, Ugly Sonic shows up. From the Sonic movie, I'm like, oh, that'll be a fun gag. There is so much ugly Sonic in this movie. Like he is like, like a set, like like he's not a primary character, but he's like a very prominent and plot important secondary character. It's like it makes me feel almost like the uh, the people who made the Sonic movie were like, we can't let this model go to waste. <laughs> it's like I I feel like they spent a lot because like there's a lot of stuff in here that is not owned by them right which was a big deal during Roger Rabbit right because there's a moment where Roger Rabbit is falling and he meets Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny in midair and that was like a huge landmark thing because they got the rights to both Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny for the movie right they licensed Bugs Bunny specifically they had the rights to Mickey Mouse it was a Disney movie um so they they licensed the rights to Bugs Bunny to put him in the movie so that he could be like next to Mickey Mouse. And there were gags like that happening all over the place, right? And I was just like, God damn, how did they get like, you know, Randy from South Park was in there, uh, Butthead, you know, like there's a there's a post-senator butthead, which I just perfect. I loved that. Yeah. Everything about that was fucking was great. You know, like, there's a ton of that stuff. Both E.T. Well, actually that's not true. I think E.T. is owned by Fox, who is now owned by Disney, but obviously yeah, yeah. Batman is owned by Warner Brothers, right? So they would have had to license that, and it's just like they they did a lot. They they spent a lot of money picking up a lot of licenses for this film. Yeah, they, mu they must have like I don't know. That's it. It's pretty nuts. I also I wonder if I wonder if Captain Putty was supposed to be Gumby, and they just couldn't get the license because they were like, no, we're too wholesome to be in your like weird movie and have Gumby be a villain or something like that. That's yeah, clearly who's, I feel that he's that's clearly what he's supposed to be spoofing, but like you know he's and he, like yeah. There's there's one shot where Seth Rogen, who is playing the weird Polar Express dead-eyed you know Viking dwarf or whatever, runs into Mantis, 
um, the Blob from Monsters vs. Aliens, both of which are DreamWorks animated movies, and um, the guy from that one movie that was like Sausage Party, I think it's called, where like the food are alive, but they're also like having sex. Yeah, it's like yeah. a an R-rated weird movie. Um, uh, and obviously those are all completely different. Co- or, well, it's two movies for one company and then one movie for a third company. And they're all voiced by Seth Rogen, which is the bit. They just got all of the things that he voiced in one location. And it's just like, man, that's got to be so fucking expensive. That's got to be so expensive. I don't know. Maybe maybe the licensing rights for Sausage Party weren't that expensive, given that that movie was like a train wreck, apparently. Um, but, yeah. No, it's it's got to – they've got to it's, – it's a lot of – presumably cash for what it, what what is ultimately a ship, big ship post of a movie right like this is i wonder how much of this was like like personal favors to like the lonely island people right like we think mm. you're funny so we'll we'll let you get away with this nonsense yeah cuz you know thinking about it like chip and dale is like like all, a lot of these things like as per what the kind of oeuvre of the movie is a lot of these things are kind of past their prime not really primed for like a reboot or anything right and so uh and like chip and dale as as a property falls into this 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 as well right like i don't think anybody was yeah well so one of the weird things about chip and dale and they this did not come up which i thought was incredibly weird and i don't know why i have this understanding but chip and dale themselves like chip and dale rescue rangers the show was a reboot essentially like chip and dale are chipmunks who debuted in like the 40s alongside like, like they were like looney tunes or so or some equivalent right like yeah they were well they were like donald and you know like goofy yeah. right like they were just part of that that cast of characters and then the chippendales rescue rangers like came out in the 90s sort of capitalizing on the nostalgia of their cartoon shorts from i want to say the 40s might be the 50s or whatever you know like whenever there those cartoon shorts were around so it's like how did that not come up how did it not come up that they themselves were reboots in the movie about them like you know being has been hollywood reboots i don't know yeah maybe this couldn't work it in i don't know. like also also like for the fictional narrative of the characters right like that didn't happen right like like they like that that they were in school as like kids when that happened I guess right like like that past couldn't have made it wouldn't make sense in the diegetic story of their lives as teenage chipmunks I guess I don't know like like you said they they run through a lot of stuff right like the kind of like you know betrayal moment that happens really early in the film just kind of like which is you know Dale leaving to do Agent Dale or Double Agent Dale, whatever the hell fake thing that was. That was like, that was like really quick, and it felt it felt like it was supposed to be like a big emotional betrayal, but it didn't feel like it built to it. Which mm-hmm. I think is in service is kind of like moving fast, you know, putting things up because like you know it relies on us to kind of fill the pieces in. Um, what else do we What else do we want to talk about with this? Um, you know, Peter Pan, like the Peter Pan thing, I thought was I thought was neat as this kind of like another older thing they brought up. Although, like like you point out, like the 
logic of how any of this would work makes no sense at all but this is like a th this is like a very nitpicky thing right like, it's like honestly i feel bad because i can't see that and not see like i put this in the thing right like that it's a veiled metaphor for how corporate copyright control is good actually and this is kind of unfair. I don't think I would have made this connection if it wasn't already vaguely newsworthy because that one stupid senator from wherever is like trying to get like is trying to fuck with Disney copyrights because Disney is woke and he hates them or something. And like I did a little bit of like unpacking of this just to, to understand and because there, because there were people who were like wow this person is a dipshit but that's actually kind of a good point and yes the disney copyright thing is something that people have like hammered disney for but it's just like it was on my mind and i was just like oh my god i cannot believe that this is a movie about how people like skirting disney's copyrights are the moral equivalent of human traffickers and it's just like what a galaxy brain to take that that is and i don't actually think that that's real or i should be or you know like i don't think anybody like andy sandberg akiva whoever like none of these people are actually making that point i don't think that fucking like bob Iger is like <laughs> mr smithers make make them put this veiled metaphor for our copyright laws in their next movie <laughs> and then you know i guess smithers goes and does this i don't know why i was mr burns in that but whatever the case may be right like you know i just feel like that that whole line of things made it very hard for me to kind of get get on board with the with the with like the stakes of it and, and there's something about this sort of maybe in a world where they actually drew attention to it i would have liked it more um but also i probably just would have hated it just as much because it's the same sort of thing of like you know self-aware disney bullshit in other movies of theirs right where you know i don't know like frozen like you it's bad to get married the same day ho ho or like i don't know someone, honestly maybe the best example the of this is also it makes a comment about like the producers of the movie or something like that or like the suits yeah or like how like the dumbo movie was about disneyland like there's all of this stuff that's very self-referential about you know, or like how in the Beauty and the Beast remake, right? There's a lot of added stuff in that movie that is about like the original movie. It is like fixing nitpicks and plot holes from the original movie so that it like works better. But it's just dumb and I hate it and it's stupid, right? Um, I don't know. That's sort of... Uh, uh, part, it's hard to get away from talking about like the overall corporate brand stuff when sort of that's what's keeping the, like those are the balloons that the movie is floating on to also make yeah. a corporate Disney reference to the Pixar movie up available now on Disney plus. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's so like <laughs> the, the copyright thing is, is, is its own whole thing, right? Like I think, I believe you're talking about Josh Hawley, like all his politics aside, the yeah. like fa pretty famously copyright copyright keeps getting extended whenever Mickey Mouse is about to enter the public domain and that's about to happen again. I think it's like next year or so is when is when by the terms of the latest copyright extension Mickey Mouse would enter the public domain and usually when this happens or up until now every time that has happened um those like those rights have been extended by statute um and that's probably a bad thing, right? Like, originally it was, like, Life of the Creator plus, like, 20 years or something like that. And now it's, like, you know, plus, you know, however many eons, 
you know, Walt Disney's been frozen. Um, but, you know, which is not a real thing, by the way. Um, uh, Walt Disney is not actually cryogenically. This is, I know that because, like, the, the, there are serious cryogenics people who are like, no, Walt Disney is not, like, frozen. <laughs> I'm going to be frozen. He is not. Um, but, like, uh, <laughs> first of all, can we go back to the sentence, there are serious cryogenics people? Oh, yeah. What? There's, like, a, there's, like that's, this is, like, a thing, right? Like, that people, people, um, there's actually, there's, like, this big, th- so, this is wild. There is a horror story where, like, Somebody set up one of these plants and, like, they ran out of money. And so it was just, like, some dude, like, trying desperately to, like, keep this this this, this freezer on, keep these people preserved. And, you know, people ended up, like, melting and be like, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, do your research. That's incredible. Yeah, but, like. What? <laughs> I, I need to know. So I need to know everything about this. I'll, I'll co- Hold on. I'll, I'll co- I can come back next week with a, with a fuller report. But um, uh, but like yes, like like people people inter- there there is a a group of people who are interested in cryogenics as kind of like a uh, uh, a key to um, a key to immortality if we can't discover a a reasonable cure for that within our lifetime. Right. Uh, so so you you um. You cryogenically freeze yourself. We go into the future where there's a cure for cancer, there's a cure for aging, all this other stuff, right? Or like a digitization thing. Like, th- like th- there's like two big groups, right? like, or like, two, like not in terms of the services, but like, you know, some people preserve their whole body, some people just do the head because like that's the only thing you're, you're going to need to be you in the future, right? So yeah, yeah, uh, it's a whole thing. Um, you can dig into it if you if uh, if you want. I want I want to know everything about this. Holy. Fuck yeah! It's incredible. I'll try and put some links in the description. I'll send. I will send you to Baron. I'll, I'll, like there, there's like a a big write up of this like disaster of this person who built this cryogenics facility that like ran out of funding and like you know, uh, it went to shit. Um, yeah, but yes, any- I just like honestly can't believe that that's that that's real. But whatever. Yeah. Anyway, like <laughs> back to Chippendale. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, back to Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Holy fuck. <laughs> we're, we're, it's whiplash day in the some derps talk about but, games podcast <laughs> well, but, but that's that's the crazy thing right like man i, I wonder like, if you really wanted to like plumb this like line right like peter pan's not an original disney character right like peter pan is um was like like first of all disney made a lot of money especially during that um during the animation whatever like you know like the there the disney renaissance I believe almost all of those characters were were um, were public domain characters that they just retold mm-hmm. um, in the Disney Golden Age of, age of Animation. Because, um, like, uh, you know, Peter Pan is much older than Disney. Um, uh, like, you know, Aladdin straight out of uh, 1001 Arabian Nights. Um, uh, Beauty and the Beast, again, is an old folktale. Um, and so it's, it's, it's interesting that then that, like, Peter Pan's the villain. Like, is there something you can read into that? Because it's specifically this version of Peter Pan that, like, grows up, right? And, like, um, I don't know. Uh, also, the diegetics of, the, of this don't, don't make any sense, right? Because, like, Peter Pan literally runs into one of the other Lost Boys at one point, um, and that Lost Boy has not aged. So Yeah, I that also <laughs> caught me for a second. I was like, what? And then the movie just sort of moved on, and I was like, "All right, yeah, okay. if, you're not, like, if you're not going to care, neither am I." Okay, movie, right, fuck. Right. Like maybe that's supposed to be like a co- like I forget when that happened, but like maybe that was supposed to be like a cosplayer or something. But like you know, um, yeah. I thought the Uncanny Valley thing was like super funny, 
right? Like, like the, you know, like the, everybody's like, besides like the dead eyes things, just like this is, this is the uncanny Valley where all those thing, things show up. Um, they also like, don't like, just like, the, like this is like, I'm having a big fridge moment right now. It's like the existence of the uncanny Valley in the diegetics of the movie in, implies that those things, like the, the characters in the uncanny Valley were created by something, right? But also, like, does that mean Chip and Dale were both drawn? Or were they yeah, also, born? Because we also know, because there's the thing with Gadget and Digger. I, I guess these are Zipper. characters from the show. Zipper. I never fucking watched this oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So that's a big nostalgia point, right? Monterey Jack, Gadget, and Zipper are all characters from the original Rescue Rangers. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I, and I had the sense that this stinky cheese thing was something established in the show yeah, as if... Yeah, like he has, he goes, he goes crazy for cheese. Okay, fair enough. Um, they have children, which are these like fucking crazy David Cronenberg, like amalga. It's like a fly, but that's a rat, and it has six arms. And you're just like, what the fuck? Is like, so there is some level of of like birth, I guess. Um, yeah, because like. Chip's or D- Chip's mom shows up in like the flashback. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just like there's there's that, and it's I also was like, is this like a weird disability sort of like thing? Because you could sort of make the argument. Okay, so Dale goes through the process of three Difying himself. He gets the three D surgery, right, um, to make himself three D. He is not in the Uncanny Valley, right? Like he is doing. He is perfectly fine hypothetically speaking couldn't the seth rogan dwarf have gone through the surgery to not be this uncanny valley thing yeah like was we're we're just like all cgi characters born during this era like yeah and like he's he works for a guy whose whole thing is about modifying the appearance of these animated creatures right you would think he would do that for his like weird polar express entrance. Like honestly, I feel like this whole thing just comes from the fact that like the valley is a thing in LA, like speak, and it is just the that play on words. That's it. You know? Or the yeah. movie's like no thoughts had empty past that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I think these are a bunch of connected jokes, right? Like, you know, Dale being CGFI'd is clearly a plastic surgery joke, right? Like, you know, the dead eyes thing is like its own set of jokes. But like, and but like, if you stop to think about what the logic implies about the connective tissue of the movie world, you're you know you, it all falls apart like immediately, right? Like, but like the movie doesn't want you to do that, which like which is fine, right? Like it's you know, it's just kind of the way it is. Also like things like you know Chip doesn't appear to have aged. Dale has like some gray streaks. Tiger looks like she's older. Like <coughs> Peter Pan obviously aged up pretty badly, but like the Lost Boy, like none of this really makes any sense right like is the implication that ugly sonic came into existence with like <coughs> excuse me the appearance of the, yeah, of the and, sonic movie <laughs> i will say it was genuinely funny and it got me every time when they zoomed into his human teeth <laughs> because just like i don't like i know i just i know that barely matters 
but it was funny. It was funny every. It was funny every time. Um, Wait, there was like, also another. Uh, sorry, I, I, just, I, I just have to say, like, is the idea that there were, mo- like, in the, <coughs> I, in in the like the world of this universe, right? There were multiple blue hedgehogs that were going up to be cast as Sonic, and one of them's like birth name was Ugly Sonic, and he had the part, and then he lost it after the trailer dropped. Did he get? Yeah, did he get recast? Maybe, is that the implication here? Right, but like, also the implication is his real name is Ugly Sonic, right? Like, no one refers to him as like Bob, right? Like, God, what? Yeah, because it's like, okay, so the Sonic movie does not operate out of nothing. It is a video game reference that makes it into a that makes it into the movie. And does that imply that the movie version of Sonic is an adaptation of the video game and that there just happened to be blue Sonics running around Hollywood before then? Yeah, at least two blue hedgehogs, one of which was ugly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whose mother named him Ugly Sonic. (laughs) I know I'm not supposed to think about it, but I just can't stop thinking about it. I just can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, all I know is that the best bit in the movie was the cartoon rap in the Russian bathhouse where he couldn't figure out how to rhyme anything. He could only rhyme his name with whale, which I thought was funny. And I just legit, that was maybe like the most legitimate laugh I had in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, the whole like fucking like, you know, raps. You know, like cartoons rapping is like just like so like lame, and then they have to. Yeah, I agree. I thought that. Was- yeah, like there were a couple of small moments where I was just like, oh, oh, oh hmm, I get, I see why it's funny. Like, and I got you kind of get like the smile, but the thing that actually made me laugh laugh was was like that like rap scene, which is probably because it played. I think it played best into Andy Samberg's kind of like obnoxious idiot persona, right? Yeah, and. John Mulaney's, like, bumbling, you know, just the the epitome of bad luck kind of character, right? Like, it just played into their comedic personas so well. I think I think maybe what, what, what bugs me, um, and, and not to say that I don't think either John Mulaney or Andy Samberg have range, I think they both do, um... But uh, I th- I think that's that's like really at the core of the thing that like makes this movie I guess bad I guess I'm making the point that this movie is bad even, even like how many how many clever visual gags does a good movie make I don't know none I guess I I mean, like <laughs> it is it is immaterial to the quality of the movie right like yeah yeah <laughs> like and I because it's and that's such a weird thing I had a great time watching it I really enjoyed myself and I probably paid more attention to it than I have certain other movies that I've watched recently just because like you know it's easy for those things to sort of like fall away into the background sometimes and not kind of catch my attention and keep my eyes kind of glued to the screen but uh, the the number of references like the pure number of these references being as clever as they were um you know just kind of all over the place always kind of kept me in it yeah no i mean that rap scene felt like it could have been out of pop star never stop never stop popping or whatever the name of that movie was yeah that movie is a fantastic film by the way yeah a huge bomb but what a great movie (laughs) i liked it less than hot rod which is my you know my one true love um yeah 
but you know, it was also very good. Yes. Um, yeah, I also liked it less than Hot Rod, which is also my one true, my one true love. I mean, I like, like I said, I do think that um, I think that Andy Samberg and like the entire Lonely Island crew have a lot of range um, and are and are good at like this. Um, so you know, like Popstar never stopped never stopping was was like amazing and probably the best one of these is actually um uh palm springs have you seen palm springs i have not yet uh, it's on my okay notes. yeah palm springs is the best one of those with like actual heart right and real sort of like dramatic chops and like stakes and like that is a legitimately very good film um that sort of demonstrates that there is more to meet the eye for somebody like andy sandberg um but I think all of the all of the stuff that these guys have done is is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, maybe one of my other favorite parts of the movie was that they used a Tenacious D song, like di not diegetically, but like thematically appropriate, which was a Tenacious D song about the these two friends not being friends anymore. And I was just like, wow, what a weird thing to do because it's Tenacious D, right? You know, like the parody band of kind of like rock metal like 90 you know like 90s 2000s rock metal pants is actually being used in a straightforward way to capture the emotion of these two these two characters who are no longer friends yeah i mean hey they they're it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird day when we get a weird owl song and that's like a legit needle drop right you're gonna have you're gonna have like fortune and sun and then it's gonna be like eat it and that's gonna be like. That. I was thinking, could you do like a, a straight, like a straight needle drop to play one of his songs straight? And it would have to probably be one of the original songs, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What would be a good? I've uh, I, I like Weird Al's style parodies. Maybe it would be oh. a good it would be a good option for this. Or maybe you could make it with one of his like bigger, even if they are parodies, right? Like bigger songs, like White and Nerdy, or something like that. Yeah, so, funnily enough, well, I, I went to the Weird Al concert recently, right? And there was, I can't remember the title of the song, but there's, like, it's the song is basically, like, you know, like, blues jazz number two or whatever, right? Like, um, it's just, like, a, like you said, like a style parody. Apparently, um, uh, Armstrong, Louis Armstrong, right? That's the, that's the famous guy, right? Like, the, the famous trumpet player. Who knows if this is true or not? But Weird Al said that I think it was Louis Armstrong. It was it was one of the famous one of the famous jazz people said that that was like his second favorite blues song of all time. Wow, that's something. Yeah, so you know you could do something like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and Weird Al has had a bunch of songs right that people have like famously said no to, right? Like I think he had like a weird feud with Prince, which is crazy because apparently everybody loves like Prince is one of those people in Hollywood that everybody like agrees was a great guy, right? Um, but yeah, I like I like. I don't know, there's some apocryphal story about, like, how Prince fucking hated Weird Al and re absolutely refused to ever let Weird Al do a parody of one of his songs. Uh, yes, Generic Blues one from UHF. That is the correct song, Lou. Thank you. Um, but, yeah. Um, like weird, and God, weird, this is going to make me want to watch UHF. Um, so, I don't think... I think Generic Blues... I don't think it was in the movie, but it was on the soundtrack. Um, okay. Um, uh, but, yeah. Um, but... Like so, and Weird Al didn't have to get permission, right? Like parodies, how the 
<coughs> excuse me, parody is protected and you can do mechanical cover licensing and all that. Um, but he got permission because he wanted to. Um, like, apparently, Michael Jackson, like, really liked Weird Al. And Weird Al asked, like, he told, I forget where I saw this, but he told, he tells a story where, like, he asked Michael Jackson if he could parody black and white. And Michael Jackson was like, I don't think, like, you know, please don't. This is like, you know, this is a song with, like, an important message, right? Because it's like a racial unity message. Mm. And Weird Al says that, like, you know, I was probably didn't need to, like, do that. I was I was struggling to find something to do, and I was just going back to the well. And that was probably the right decision for me to not parody that song. So, you know. um, and we're getting- yeah, I mean, there are definitely some songs that, um, that <laughs> he's parodied that have um, – uh, I'm trying to think of what it was. I, I think it was Amish Paradise. There was like one where he did get permission, but then the song like came out, and the guy was really pissed about it. Um, which I think was it was, was, was Buster Rags for Gangsta's Paradise because like <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise is actually like a really it was not Buster Rhymes, it's Coolio. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, like Gangsta's Paradise is actually like a really kind of uh like. Not somber, but, like, it is a very serious song about the sort of, like, kind of nihilistic view of this, I don't know, like, inner city gang life thing and how, you know, like, it is an ultimately sort of suicidal venture, right, that they are that they are um, engaging on um, or engaging with or whatever. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, he did make... He like he did make the song and he made the and he like made the video and then Coolio afterwards was like I shouldn't have said yes like I'm mad about this. I uh, my understanding, um, and this might be off, is that like he got permission from like the production company and apparently they never asked Coolio. Um, and he felt really bad about it because like it was just like a, it was just like a crossed wires thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm now actually I looked it up and I I am reading it. It's that the label gave. Weird Al, uh, the impression that Coolio had granted permission to record the, the the parody, but Coolio maintains that he never did. Um, and obviously, like, legal action never, like, took place. Um, uh, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, Amish Paradise is at least, like, kind of clever. Like, the Zoot Suit Riots were, like, a real thing, and, like, Grapefruit Diet is kind of, like, not a great song. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be hit or misses. There's there's a bunch of those. I feel like for uh, for any like Weird Al. Um, hold on, I'm trying to think. I obviously I obviously like know Weird Al's uh, albums more because I was listening to them in the age of CD players, right. but rather than like the age of like the age of Spotify. And I just remember like there's a lot of these that I skipped. I almost never skipped a polka. I, I thought almost all of the polkas were all like great. Um, yeah, they were they were they were literally just kind of like covers with like strung together like cover bits with like in like the polka style instead of being, you know, they they weren't actually parodies. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. My my the first album I ever ripped, the first album I ever had was uh, what I ripped from the library. And it was Bad Hair Day by Weird Al, um, which famously has. Um, uh, what is it? I famously have. Is, is that Amish Paradise? I think it's Amish Paradise, and it's got um, everything you know is wrong, which is one of my personal favorites. <coughs> Albuquerque is on Running with Scissors, which is another one. Oh yeah, Albuquerque is. Everybody loves Albuquerque. Yeah. That that's one that you could do a real needle drop on, right? Like, 
Like it couldn't it couldn't be like the, you couldn't do the full thing, but like you could like a song like a movie about Albuquerque, New Mexico. Like the title drop could just be like Albuquerque, right? Like I think you could do it. Yeah. So yeah, Bad Hair Day is uh, uh, Amish Paradise. Mm. God, what is the one? There's one that my, like my favorite of them is the one that has Hardware Store. Oh, that's a real. That's I, uh, is that straight out of That's got to be Running with Scissors, right? Or is that Poodle Hard, Hat? Hardware Store is relatively new. That's like it's either Poodle Hat or it's straight out of Linwood. Yeah. Okay. So Albuquerque is on Running with Scissors. Okay. And then yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then Poodle Hat is. That's the one that has Hardware Store, which is just the best. I just love everything about Hardware Store. <laughs> I spent I spent a long time trying to memorize the 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 list of things part of that song. So Max, my best friend from high school, Max and I, we know the different parts of the song. Like we can do the different parts of the song, which is to say that like I have certain pits of that we never the actual list at the very end we never actually quite nailed down but the way we did it is that one person says one the other person says the other and you go back and forth because nobody can say it that fast nobody can get through it that fast even weird al himself it speeds up um but yeah god man anyway (laughs) why why are we talking about weird al (laughs) because you know what's gonna happen (coughs) is we are getting the, the we are getting Yo, so Chippendale is to Bojack Horseman as what the Weird Al biopic is going to be to Dewey Cox, right? Oh like, my God, you're right. But like, how? There's no way that's gonna happen, right? No, it's, it's, it's the trailer's out. Like, no, I know, I know, no, 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 no. I, I know, I know, I know. But like, also, like the thing, like Weird Al never did drugs. He never went to rehab, right? Right. Like, I mean, so it's it's probably, but like, the the biopic isn't like a real biopic, right? Like it's. Like if you watch the trailer, it's it's uh fucking Daniel Radcliffe like, you know like, it's obviously fake what's happening on screen, right? Like, uh-huh. so like he never did like. <coughs> first of all, who knows? Maybe we're all the drugs and we don't know, but like if he does drugs in the biopic, it doesn't necessarily like it doesn't have to be real because it's not going to necessarily be like it's not the true story of. Of of Weird Al, it's kind of like a you know it's like it's it's a funny version of it, right? So. So yes, uh, and that that's coming out on some like some service that I don't I don't remember ever having heard of or something. Like you know that. what though, I'm gonna fucking watch it. I'm gonna pick whatever that service up for like however long yeah, I true. need to to watch that to watch that show because I wanna I wanna see it so bad. Yep, fair enough. Fair enough. Honestly, a YouTube video I go back to all the time is. Uh, do you know the song Classical Gas? No. Uh, classical gas is like a famously difficult guitar soul song to play. Um, I'm sure if I, if I like, I don't know, like hummed it for you, um, you would immediately understand it, right? Like you would, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, but it's just like a famously difficult guitar song and it became a meme for a while because there's a bit in the Simpsons where like Lisa is playing a song and then Lenny shows up and he goes, now do classical gas. And then she plays like the riff to classical gas. Uh, and Weird Al, when that meme was at its popularity, Weird Al shot a video of himself in his you know house in the Hollywood Hills playing classical gas on the accordion. <laughs> Actually, really great. It is actually fantastic. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, no, Weird Al's, Weird Al's, Weird Al's, like, the best. He's one of those people that, like, everybody says is, like, a joy to be around, right? Like, has avoided yep. a lot of the blow-offs, right? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, good job, good job, Weird Al. Yeah. Um, anyway, God, we got so far. I Like, what else is there to talk about with, with, with this movie, Yeah, we, right? we can talk about, like, individual moments that we liked, but, like, you know. Like, I thought the Comic-Con kind of thing was, was, was fun, right? Because, like, that's, mm-hmm. that red is very real, right? Like... <coughs> Um, I've definitely been to, you know, where like, you know, you don't get Shatner, but you get like, you know, crewmate number four again, like galaxy quest. Right. Um, that with, yeah, I think, I think that one is a real, that's a real danger. Right. Um, to like, like come close to, I guess, which is like really sort of shitting on it and portraying it as like bad and pathetic. Cause like, it is a really thin line. It is, there's this one thing about like kind of like down on down on their luck actor who is at the Comic Con signing autographs because you know they're past their prime and they're just trying to they're just trying to like figure their stuff out. Um, but there's also like there, there's something endearing about that, I guess, which came across in this movie in a way that I thought was good because it's it sometimes gets used the other way and I don't like that which is that like yeah sure these people are in it for for a, a, a buck right you know like they're trying to they're trying to cash in on whatever this nostalgia thing is you know and they have a normal job they have some whatever insure insert insurance salesman job at at Geico or whatever but on the weekend every couple of months they'll show up Somebody will reach out to them and say, hey, you know, do you want to come to FanCon Baltimore, the third largest, you know, film convention in the greater Baltimore area or something like that? And they go, sure, right? And they show up or they set up a little booth and it's like, hey, I'm Billy from Power Rangers. I'll I'll sign your things. And I've, I've like, I've worked in high school. I, like, worked to set up a comic book convention with you know, like with a friend of mine who was really like into this stuff. And we contacted a bunch of these people and a lot of them like just sort of said yes because they just liked to hang out with the fans and to show off, right? Like there was a guy who owns the 66 Batmobile or whatever. Um, and he's just like a perfectly normal, like he is just a perfectly normal guy. I think he was a lawyer, right? He's, he's like, he's a lawyer. He lives in Connecticut. He just happened to find the car and buy it. And he has owned it for the last 30, you know, whatever. It was 30 years at the time. It's 40, 50 years now. Right. Um, and he just owns the car and he puts a ton of money into keeping it up, right? Like he has to get very special whatever to, to keep the thing like fully restored and drivable. And he doesn't need the money. You know, he doesn't give a fuck about like showing up to conventions or whatever. He just wants to show he, – he, he definitively loses money on that thing, right? Like, yeah. But he just wants to show it off, right? And there's that level of sort of uh, like love and appreciation, right, that goes into all of this that – I, I think came across in the Chip and Dale's movie, which which I am which I am sort of happy about because it is so easy to, to use that thing as as like the punchline. Um, even BoJack Horseman sort of did this, um, and I just man, I kind of hate that. That's it it it, it feels mean spirited. Yeah, no, I mean, and that was the thing that Galaxy Quest also got like, like you know was was very close to if not over the line of like you know like these these fucking like nerd aliens can't figure out that like this is the show isn't real right like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and like the whole like that the whole arc of that movie is about Tim Allen realizing that like 
the you know like the con- he he builds his own connection with the nostalgia property that other people do he is inspired right like by the fan sort of dedication so galaxy quest galaxy quest is a very good movie yeah. actually yeah funny funny fun, the funny thing is i watched galaxy quest before i had ever watched any star trek um at all uh although it kind of like the you know the the setup works for anybody right like mm-hmm. um, but yeah very cool yeah, it was, uh, you know, watch it if you're, if you've got the service, not otherwise. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else to talk about. Right? Do you have anything else you want to talk about here? I got nothing. I got nothing else to say. Fair enough. All right. Well, that'll be that the end of that section. Buddy, how was your week? You know, my week is pretty good. I have, have I told you that I'm back into Hearthstone? I, I, I picked Hearthstone back up because, honestly, I just saw that... Control Warrior was the top of the meta because Aggro Demon Hunter was the number one deck. This always happens. An, an incredibly fast Aggro deck is the best deck in the meta, and then a Control Warrior deck rises up to to beat it, right? And like, and that is like, I think the last three times I have gotten back into Hearthstone after a break, it has been that recipe that has brought that has like brought me back because there's just, I think there's just something fundamentally incredibly fun about saying no to like to those super fast decks to being like oh you're going to fill the the you know like the board with minions every turn no i'm going to play a card all it does is for three mana gain me eight armor try try getting through that bitch you know like just that stuff and like honestly i've had i honestly did not even fight the demon hunter deck all that much I was mostly fighting sort of the, like, Demon Hunter was the very bottom of the meta, like, the very aggro end of the meta. And then there's this mid-range kind of, um, you know, Pirate Warrior, Mech Paladin, um, uh, Mech Mage stuff, which is a little bit more, you know, we call this stuff mid-range because it has more value than the aggro deck, but it's faster than a control deck, and that's where it kind of squeaks out its wins. Um, but I was also doing pretty okay against, uh, like, against those guys. But And then every once in a while, you run into just, like, the insane greed deck. Um, there's, like, a Ramp Druid. Um, there is a... Uh, um, there's one Ramp Druid deck that's like this. There's also one uh, Warlock deck that, that is like this where you're putting curses in your opponent's hand and those curses do progressively more and more damage. Um, and, you know, you, you you lose to some of those matchups or whatever, but you just kind of live, you just sort of like live with that life. But I have mostly just found the addition of uh, uh, Naga to be to be interesting. Like the they added a new tribe called Naga that have a lot of spell synergies. So it's like if you cast a spell while the Naga is in your hand, it activates the Naga. Or if you play a Naga while the spell is in your hand, it upgrades the spell. That that kind of stuff. Um, and just getting rid of some of the old you know the old stuff from the previous meta game has been good overall for the for the health of the game. I didn't I didn't quite realize how much I didn't like that era of. Hearthstone, uh, which was, I guess, the 2020 year, which was specifically um, uh, School of Man's Academy, uh, Whispers of the Old Gods, and whatever the first whatever the first set in that year was that I can't remember. Ashes of Outland. Um, that was just sort of not that. I just like didn't respond to those to those sets, and I didn't like that meta very much at all. So them rotating out has kind of made things fresh and cool and new. So. You know, there we are. Very cool. Very cool. 
Yeah, similarly, um, I've been playing a bunch of Magic. I hit Platinum earlier today, actually, um, with, I guess it's kind of a tempo deck. Um, Streets of New Capetta is this kind of like Roaring Twenties theme set, which is very fun. Mm -hmm. um, and you've got like three color wedges. I am playing um, Maestros, which is uh, red, black, blue. Um, and, you know, it's like I, I always thought it was like is, this deck has gotten me a lot further than I thought it was going to because it's like a lot of kind of like, <coughs> excuse me, like nonsense. Um, just kind of like pretty solid, like, you know, do some damage and like things. And I've got a couple of bombs in there. And then like for control aspects, they've got um, this is like a, th a thing I like. I call it cap and sack, which is like red control, which is like temporary control. And then you activate like a black sacrifice effect. To, um, oh sure, yeah. the The other deck that I've been playing a lot of is Priest. Um, actually, so so the Demon Hunter deck got nerfed. Basically, what happened is, um, you know, that deck was really strong. It got nerfed. Uh, another deck alongside of it also got just a little bit of nerfs. Um, and then they also buffed up some other cards. They buffed up some Hunter stuff. Um, and uh, and some Rogue stuff. Actually, funnily enough, Thief Rogue is like really meta right now, which is like. You you you're playing cards that are stealing cards from the other deck because there's a a five mana priest card called I don't remember it's called something but it replays five cards from another class that you've played this game which can be just an absolutely insane value swing right I had one guy who stole two six mana creatures from me right like he he played one card that copied a creature that I had on the field I had this like huge six mana six six taunt with a big death rattle or whatever he copied that and he played it and he played a hero card right the like one of the cards that changes you know that, that changes your hero and he was just getting insane value value off of this thing and i was just like holy fuck buddy you deserve to win this game and though i actually he think he lose he lost um because he misplayed <laughs> the thing about the priest deck that is fun the priest deck is a quest priest so quest priest is you know turn one you play the quest and then it's you play a two mana a three mana and a four mana card and then the quest advances and you play a five mana six mana card and then the quest advances you play a seven mana eight mana card and then the reward is it shuffles a spell, a 10-mana spell in your deck that just says, destroy the enemy hero, right? It is a 10-mana spell, win the game, right? Um, and this rogue, who absolutely deserved to win this game, killed a death rattle minion that I had on the board that drew me a spell. And I was like, you just watched me shuffle this, win the game spell into my deck, and then you killed it. Why, why would you do that, right? Like, you could have just left it. And uh, and, I, and I won the game off that. So I, I definitely feel the, I don't know, I definitely feel the... Uh uh, the, the picking, the picking shit up and, and taking it for yourself is, is a cool way to play. Yeah. No, yeah. And, uh, like I said, uh, my stress has to have a bunch of way to actuate that, which is, which has been a, a ton of fun. Um, are you playing like all three colors equally? Uh, no, it's a little, it's a little bit more heavy on the, uh, black and the red. Um, just cause like, there's like a handful of black, blue, red cards, then there's a few black red cards, um, and then there's a couple of solos of each color. Although there might not be any solo, oh, there's a couple of solo black cards in there. Um, so the blue is mostly uh, is mostly the the blue parts of the maestro cards, and also uh, I've got like a couple of counter spells and uh, um, wall of text or not wall of text, uh, wall of runes, 
which I called wall of text because that's like a popular internet meme is, you know, like, you know, wall of text and you post the art from like wall of runes because it's just like a dude. Yeah, but yeah. Um, and that's in the alchemy format, which is like arena's um, answer to Hearthstone. Essentially, it has, mm -hmm. some, has some cards that are out of out of standard and also some cards that like have some effects that like don't work um, in paper. Um, gotta say, I'm not a fan, huge fan of uh, the... Uh, the Dungeons and Dragons mechanics, which I think are at the end of their cycle right now, um, but you know it's been a ton of it's been a ton of fun to play. There's a lot of um, <coughs> excuse me, a very popular deck is this white life gain deck, and this it's either pure white or it's or it's white green, and essentially it's a bunch of cards that like you know when a creature enters the battlefield gain a life, and then a bunch of other cards are like when you gain life put a plus one plus one token on these creatures, and it's like very hard to, like if the if that gets ahead of you you're 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 pretty boned but you know it, it is what it is um uh, yeah no it's just been it's been fun um also they've got a couple singleton formats that have been fun uh have you played like brawls um so the that the thing that they have that is equivalent to brawls recently has been um essentially for each of the witches they've had a um uh uh essentially uh you know, play a singleton deck and get an emblem that does like the iconic thing that that thing does. Like for the, for maestros, it's you can cast cards out of your graveyard. You can cast sorcery instances out of your graveyard with any additional cost if you have to sacrifice something and then it, and then also the spell gets exiled. Um, you know, that's really interesting. Something that I find so Hearthstone has these has these tavern brawls right every week. The tavern brawls. Um, kind of like rotate around and pretty quickly what happens is people find the degenerate best deck in the meta you know what i mean and they just abuse it until until like everyone is essentially playing this this thing right which is to say that the metas get solved basically instantaneously and there's no balance really because mostly the the brawls are just hey what if this weird rule was applied to normal hearthstone and everybody went whoa and then they you know they break the meta six hours later it's kind of surprising that that hasn't happened for, like, that doesn't happen for, like, Magic the Gathering I, formats. I feel like, well, for, for like, the Brawl parts of it, I think there's just, one, there's so many cards, and two, also, yeah. like, I think that does happen to a certain extent, but, like, you know, I just don't, so, first of all, it's not free, right? Like, you have to pay some free current, like, you can, you pay, like, coins, which is the free currency to it. Um, the other thing is, is you're trying to get like five wins to get, um, to get, uh, what's it called? Um, cosmetics, right? Like, like you got, so like the big thing, like the alternate art for this set is there's art deco art, um, that's card art. Um, and that's true in physical magic, but in, um, uh, in arena magic, obviously it's just kind of like whatever you want, right? Like you, know, you can put whatever face on the cards you want if you, if you get the styles. Um, and so I feel like. None of them are compelling enough that people are just, like, grinding on them. I think people are just, like, playing until they get their five wins and they get their rewards and then they're out. Because um, they're fun, but they're also, like, not, like, like, I don't know, at least from my perspective, um, you're either playing one of the fun formats, like, you're either playing one of those formats or you're playing, like, ranked. Um, or you're maybe, like, jumping into something else, right? Like, it, it just, I, I haven't seen a lot of tryharding in these kind of, like, side things for whatever reason. Um, maybe because those people are like too busy, like you know, actually trying hard, right? Like, like last weekend, mm. there's a play-in for like, like 
you know, like real magic, real tournaments, like real money tournaments, right? Like, um, it was like a best of one plan. I didn't, I didn't go for it, but like, you know, you could, right? Like if you cared enough, you could go like do real magic, right? As opposed to, you know, I guess Hearthstone still kind of has a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a, like, this is not a real game type stuff to it. Also, there's just not as many cards. Also, the space is less ordered, right? Like, mm -hmm. the majority of Hearthstone cards aren't class cards, right? Like, you, most of them are common cards. Is that correct? You know, I don't know how true that is anymore. It used to be that that was the case, but I think at this point now it is the other way around. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Mathematically, I guess it has to be you have more neutral cards than you have class cards, right? But I know that they did make changes to this because um, in the early version of Hearthstone... I think there was only one epic and one legendary. Now I think there's two epics, two legendaries, like four rares and a bunch of commons in every in every single set. So yes, I think I I do think that you're correct. Just like on a numbers level, yeah. Right? I mean, there's no way. And on top of that, right? Like because you don't have like the split mana base, like the game is built a little bit less. Like I think the decision space in Hearthstone is a little bit more evenly distributed, I guess is maybe the way to put it, than in Magic. Also, part of it is just like, you know, you can't interact on your opponent's turn in Hearthstone, so that's like just kind of naturally limiting to what things yeah. you can do. And there's also the, the value, right? Like, a, a, a Magic deck has less than 100% value because you have lands, right? right yeah. A Hearthstone deck is all value. Every card you draw is, is like true true value even if it's a one mana creature or whatever um whereas you can you know in in magic you can always get mana screwed you can always get mana flooded you know, right like, mana flooded right you can fuck around with your mana base in order to like make it better and more optimized everything about optimization to hearthstone is all about the curve right you're trying to curve right. um and that's like I, don't know, I i i guess that's a pretty big like that's a pretty big difference yeah i'm although i will say that like in terms of like getting your mana base right there's like there's at least three different types of dual lands that I can think of off the top of my head, and like triple lands for each of the for each of the um, uh, you know the 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 clans or whatever for each of the wedges, and then there's also like your you know your your sack lands right like, mm -hmm. and a bunch of like each each uh, wedge also has a I think it's like a. It might differ by wedge, but like the like the one from my shows is a six mana creature that has a two mana ability on it that lets you attach it to a land and it can and that land will produce any of the three colors of the wedge, right? So like there's a lot of ways to kind of like smooth out your your wedge. The the issue then is you just kind of keeping up with the um with the curve because like almost all of them play tapped, right? So like you can't um so like you're you're one behind the curve, um. Uh, if you're constantly playing dual lands, um, even if you're getting the, the secondary benefit, um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know it's been it's been fun. Uh, we'll see how high I can climb. Did you game. happen to catch the reveal of Marvel Snap? No, I didn't. Marvel Snap is the is the game that Ben Brode has been working on. You know, Ben Brode was the the game director for the first couple of years of Hearthstone, um, and he eventually left to create his own company. And they just revealed it, which is uh, a a digital you know trading card game um, that is based on like Marvel, right? So it's you, you know you make a you make a deck of Marvel heroes, but it is a mobile game where 
you play turns simultaneously against your opponent and it is all about anteing and waging and like making like wagers because what you can do is you can um you can essentially bet like who is going to win the match at any individual moment and you can up the stakes by betting and betting and betting um like more and more and more it's called snapping obviously um I don't know. It looks weird, and I don't think it's for me, but a lot of people that I trust, whose opinions I trust, uh, said that it was cool and interesting, um, you know, like Disguise Toast or uh, Trump or whatever. Um, most of these people also said the same thing about Legends of Runeterra, and to my knowledge, that basically fell off. Uh, really? you know, like I'm sure there are like Legends of Runeterra people who really care about that game and like that game uh, and everything like that, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I was just I was just wondering because it's because it's it's neat. I was gonna say the other big the other big like card game that's like a little bit weird in the space is Teppin, which is a mobile game, the the Capcom game, which is like a lot more live. You know, it's like a mo simultaneous turns, like like uh, like you said about Snap, but like it's um, uh, Capcom characters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My understanding is that uh, is that people think um, Marvel Snap is like poker. Is actually it is more like poker than it is like magic or or hearthstone or anything because it is about it's so much about that that mechanics you know like like wage this wagering thing are you bluffing are you playing mind games with your opponent that kind of a thing fair enough that makes sense yeah oh uh, yeah so um otherwise in my week what well I'm I if you can't tell I'm sick I caught COVID so that's why we didn't have an episode last week. Um, and that um, it took that first that first day was really bad, and I took that occasion to watch the first season of Barry, which we talked about off cast, which uh, uh, a lot darker than I expected it to be for what you know, especially the end of that like like the end of that first season like goes real real dark. Like Barry is maybe the bleakest show on television that I can like think of. You know, like I don't think it is the best show on television. That's that's Whatever. still Better Better Call Saul season 6 of Better Call Saul has been an absolute treat from beginning to end. Um uh but yeah, Barry is a dark fucked up show. Um <laughs> I remember I watched a YouTube video and I couldn't find it. The person who made it, I, I like tracked this whole thing down where I was trying to find it. The person who made it ended up privating the video, but he basically made a whole video about how Barry is darker and like more, I don't want to say more fucked up, but it sort of is than Game of Thrones, right? And how people talk about Game of Thrones like, oh, it's so, it's so edgy, right? Like they say, they say fuck and it's crazy because there's, you know, whatever. And this dude was like, dude, Barry is over here, like not only being way, way bleaker and way, way darker, but also really fucking funny. And it makes me laugh my ass off, right? Like, Noho Hank is such a is such a mood. I love that guy. I do too. Like, I mean, obviously, like you know, he's ascending at the end of the season. Spoilers for Barry season one, I guess, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have not seen any of season three yet, but uh, I have seen the first the first two seasons, and obviously, I'm not going to spoil any of season two for you because you should watch it because it's good. I agree. It's been a lot of fun. I love Bill Hader, right? Like, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a trip. He is also weirdly amazing in this, which is the craziest thing. I mean, honestly, I kind of get it in a certain sense because have you ever watched like an interview with Bill Hader? He's like the most subdued, un, you know, like 
very, very, you know, just like kind of quiet and not like big and flamboyant. And then he goes out and he's doing these like SNL scenes and he, the guy is like a clown. I'm just like, how are you going so big like this? And then in an interview, it's just like, I mean, he's basically like an Oklahoma farm boy, right? Um, right? Maybe he comes from Nebraska. It's like one of those, you know, prairie states or whatever. Um, and Barry is like, <laughs> like the, the character of Barry is more like Bill Hader when you watch him in these interviews than like anything else Bill Hader's ever done ever. I was just, but like he, he was pretty subdued in um in Hot Rod. Um, like he was like a, that's true. Yeah. He's a pretty quiet character, but yes, I see what, I see what you're saying. Right. Like, um, uh, yeah. And like, like you said, it gets, it gets real. Like it's, it is, it's a lot like, like they, without spoiling too much, they do a big dodge or like the, the, the big first kind of like moral crisis moment they dodge on. Right. Um, which is like the, he, so premise of the show is he is a hitman. Right, so that's this is not a spoiler. The first person he goes to hit in the show, as part of the plot of the show, uh, is like a moral conflict, and he they dodge around that for mm -hmm. reasons. Um, um, but then later in the season, it just it it goes downhill real like it's like like in Breaking Bad, Walt takes like two or three seasons to like go from like mild mannered chemistry teacher um, to like you know like the one who knocks or whatever, right? Like, um, whereas uh, Bill Hader starts, you know, obviously he's a hitman, so, like, you know, it starts pretty bad. But he's, it, like, you know, it feels kind of innocent, right? Like, he only he only kills, like, bad guys, right? Like, and then he, he goes off the, he goes off the fucking, off a fucking cliff real fucking fast. Like, it's. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. Uh, the end of the, the end of the season, uh, like, the end of that first season was just, like, I just really didn't think they were going to go there. I just yeah. did not think that they had like the balls to go there. And, uh, and they did. <laughs> they did. I was just like, wow, dude. Cause it, the, you know, obviously without spoilers, the end of the first season is like kind of the crossing of the Rubicon, right? Like you watch him build to it, but you're still sort of like on his side about everything else. But then it's just like, you get to the end of the season there. It's, it's over. You can't anymore. It's bad. Like, he does the bad thing, and it is super bad. It was, like, so bad. Like, you know, there's a couple of things that happen, but, like, the thing that happens at the very end of the first season, I was like, this this has got to be, like, a dream sequence or something, right? Because <coughs> right? they fool around with that. I was like, no. <coughs> Not at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's another one that's in the middle there. That is the one that actually tugs on my heartstrings the most. I think that one is the, the toughest one in terms of just like on an emotional level, because you can, this, that's the moment where it frays Barry the most. And he is coming to grips with how awful a person he truly is. Right. Um, but yeah, man, what a show. And it only gets worse from there. Oh, <laughs> just... uh, all right. What else? Um, so I also, I got back into destiny like this weekend, uh, cause the new season nice. drops tomorrow. I played a bunch of it over the past couple of days to try and get as caught up as I could. Um, not really enough time to finish out everything, but it's, it was uh, neat. It's Destiny. Are you just always coming back to the same character whenever you do? Yeah, so I theoretically have three characters at maximum level because at some point I got bored and I made a, a – my main's Warlock. I made a, uh, a Hunter and a Titan. 
that at some point we're at max light level, they are not anymore. Um, uh, I also, you know, um, character differentiation isn't as, as hard as it is in um, other uh, uh, other games, right? Like, you know, like a, a monk is much more different than a warlock than, in, in WoW, than a... Yeah, like than a, than a warlock is different than a hunter. Yeah, uh, or a titan. Um, there are some important differences, but most of it's about the guns, and the guns are, you know, useful by every class. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's super fun. They haven't said anything about this new season, <coughs> which um, some people like, uh, you know, like friend of the cast Monarch is like convinced it's going to be like some like mind melting shit because like there's been like some like pseudo leaks that like imply like the the players aren't going to be able to handle it or whatever. I am less optimistic. But, you know, we'll see. Um, I am convinced that... So, at the very least, I am convinced that they are holding back because they want... Like, because they want to, if that makes... Like, they want to make a statement with it rather than, like, you know, them trying to dodge the fact this is going to be bad. Um, So, I don't think it's going to be bad, but, like, you know, it's a matter of sticking the landing and it's Bungie, right? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, And it's Destiny, which has been pretty good but like has like had creeping kind of monetization problems um which are not which I, it feels like it's in a pretty good place right now um it's just kind of a matter of a, of uh you know expectation adjustment right essentially your season pass is your wow subscription fee except it costs you know it, it's you know spread over a longer period. it's all up front right yeah, it's, it's it's all up front and it's it lasts for a longer period of time right like um uh, and also, they you know, I think it roughly works out to like kind of the same amount of money, but whatever. Um. Yeah, I have had a uh, a similar experience in getting into co-op PvE shooters because of the Overwatch event, right? Like, I talked last week about getting back into Overwatch, and that was in the PvP mode, right? Um, just because, you know, we're... I don't want to say that like, we're, like, burned out on WoW. I still ran a million keys this week, probably, like, 10 or 15, but... Um, there's a lot there's there's more time where where the team is like hey what if we like loaded up overwatch and played a bunch of overwatch but the thing that i discovered this weekend was the arcade which i had never really like dealt with before right um the arcade is where they hold like the different sort of like map modes right so you can play overwatch classic which is like no roles right you can just queue as whatever you can have four dps in a party that kind of thing um there's like deathmatch there's you know free for all there's eight player free for all there's there's a bunch of other stuff um and uh and for the anniversary event right because this is the overwatch anniversary or whatever they they brought back a bunch of co-op pve missions um which is like the thing that i want out of most shooters right like i want to play a shooter because i like the dynamics of these kind of co-op pve shooters more than i like any like pvp stuff like that and so i was getting really into those and then i discovered the fucking game browser who I had no idea this thing existed and had as much support as it does. There is a workshop like mode, like a level designer essentially for um, for Overwatch, and it reminds me a lot of those old like StarCraft two like custom maps, like the StarCraft two arcade right. or um, you know like the Warcraft, the Warcraft three custom maps, maps yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, there are a million of them, and they are insane. There's one called Heat Streets that is probably my... There's there's a couple that, that I've played that are very good. But the one that I think is my favorite is called Heat Streets, which is um, it's this really complex map where, um, you know, it is it is like waves. But the, the waves are different units that are, like, 
sort of genericized Overwatch heroes, right? So you will have the trooper who is Soldier 76 or a heavy trooper, who, which is Soldier 76 and he can drop the biotic healing field, right? Um, but it's like for all of the different Overwatch characters, right? You have the Gunslinger, which is Cassidy. You have, you know, the Shinobi, which is Genji. You have the Playmaker, which is Tracer, right? You have the tanks. Um, I think the Bulldozer is Orisa. The Crusader is... Um, uh, Reinhardt, uh, the Juggernaut, who is obviously, uh, maybe not obviously, who is like Roadhog, right? So you have all these different things, and they're all spawning into the map like constantly. Um, and killing them grants points, and then you can then spend the points on talents. And the talents, some of the talents are specific to the hero, right? Like, um, you know, like I was playing Echo, who's just like a new character, and she has a, an alternate fire that sends out a bunch of sticky grenades, and you could like spec into a talent that increases the number of sticky grenades, right? Or it changes the way one of her other moves works so that it's like way better to be using. It's kind of a PvP pve focus move or i'm sorry pvp focus move that they like change to be pve or whatever um and it's just like it is insane the amount of work that got put into this that like this mod um but i don't know it's super cool and i want it and it makes me want to play overwatch 2 so bad because there is something like the thing I always liked about Payday and Killing Floor is the different ways that you can interface, right, with the with the challenge, right? I can play a sharpshooter, I can play a sniper, a sniper, I can play, you know, like the super armored shotgun tank, right? I can play the super fast. I can't remember what it was called in Payday, but it was basically my favorite build at the end, where you're 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 wielding two different guns akimbo and you're sprinting constantly because sprinting gives you dodge chance and that and you have no armor. So if you get hit, you're you lose all your health immediately, right? But most of the time you're just running around and you can't get hit because you have like 90% dodge chance, that kind of stuff. Well Overwatch having 30 different characters basically means that you have 30 different classes to play right in any of these in any of these individual encounters um which is cool and fun and i want it <laughs> very cool yeah that's yeah the other thing that i've been doing is playing the stellaris dlc uh which i was also hyped for and also um uh like worried about but or not worried about but like like uh like i was uh i was like trying I, I was i was ready for it like the day it released um and i've been playing over I, i've been playing iron man for all of my uh for all of my runs in stellaris for a long time now uh and my first game i basically lost to a bad start my second game i i got really deep in that one and then i ran into a corrupted save glitch so i lost that whole Iron Man run. My third game, I had a pretty good start, uh, but I didn't like a certain aspect of it, and I decided to restart my fourth game. I had a really bad start, and I am now on my fifth game. We're finally, we're finally in it with with the fifth one, which I probably played like I don't know, like ten or twenty or thirty hours of so far. Um, honestly, the new DLC has not been all that all that impactful, but like I really feel the aggregate over the years of Stellaris getting better and better with the different, um, you know, with the different patches, with the different DLC kind of like packages or whatever, um, you know, being able to do archaeology and Leviathans and, you know, all of the new Ascension perks and origins and all of this other, you know, like all of that stuff in aggregate has made for a pretty cool, uh, a pretty cool overall experience. So... I don't know. I don't really have anything more complex to say about it than that, besides having a good time with the new Stellaris DLC. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Like, Stellaris has always been, like, a second-tier Paradox game for me. Um, I guess everything 
to me is a second tier paradox game besides like crusader kings um yeah and maybe impaired was a third tier game but uh yeah i mean it's weird because i would have said for a long time that my number one paradox game was europa universalis but like now at this point that really doesn't seem true anymore uh it's gotta be it's gotta be stellaris right like i never go back and play eu4 at this point i haven't played eu4 probably in four or five years um but i come back and i play stellaris every couple of months i also the other one the one that got away the one that i want to like and play but i just never get around to it is hearts of iron 4 um because i remember i was waiting for a dlc for that i always wanted to play russia um just because you know like america is sort of too easy both sort of america and nazi germany are too easy um I just had a bad time playing uh, a, a UK game, and I was like, okay, I'm going to play Russia, right? Like, this is this is how I'm going to approach uh, Hearts of Iron, but they hadn't done a, a DLC for it, um, and so I was just kind of, like, waiting for that to happen. And then they did release the DLC for it, but I just kind of haven't... I just kind of haven't. Yeah, I just yeah. kind of don't want I get to. that. <laughs> I feel that. Like, I... It's one of those, like, you know, I want to play more, say, Guilty Gear Strive, but I just, like, you know, haven't rotated it back in yet, right? Like, there's just yeah. other stuff to do. I still want to finish fucking Elden Ring. I'm, like, making my way through it, but, like, you know, massive fucking game. Yeah. Yeah. Oy. All right. Well, I think that's everything I have, but you want to talk about anything else before we get out of here? Nope. I'm good. Well, if you'd like to tell us what you thought about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at subdriftsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at subdriftsplaygames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash subdriftsplaygames. go out live. Um, great reviews wherever you find podcasts. These are also on YouTube and on um, anywhere, basically, you can find podcasts. Um, that's everything I have. But do you have anything else you're looking to promote? You know, I have nothing else that I am looking to promote. Uh, in that case, uh, I'm going to say until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.